Welcome to The Lex Factor, a lawfully good podcast where we'll brief you on the business of law so you can build a better practice and capture more billable hours. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Lex Factor. It's your host, Lauren, here. Co-host Brad, right here. Woohoo! Thank I you. like that today. You were like your introduction was a little different. I know. I wanted. I wanted to. Feel Are you it. feeling chipper today? I am you have excited. A good day? Good excited. Night? It's yeah. it's a Wednesday. What's so exciting about that? It's the middle of the week. You gotta do the hump day. No, like the- <laughs> no, we can't do that. I once uh, had a camel at my house. Okay. That- no, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Well, you have like a pet camel farm? No, I had a. A farm come in, a <laughs> petting zoo come into my house. These my... are only rich people. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. But anyway, I took a selfie with the baby camel and sent it out as oh. hump day because, and he was, was a cute baby camel. He would, he would give little kisses and oh. yeah. Will you share that picture with us? Sure. Okay. I mean, not right now, okay. but I mean, you yeah, know, we, we actually, we have a guest, so we're not oh, going to go through pictures yes. right now. Wait, wait, that's what we'll do. They can't see it, but look, <laughs> let me scroll through all the pictures. Look, Brooke. You know. <laughs> I love God. it. I just want to know if the camel would spit. Uh, the the baby camel did not spit, but the older camel that was with it did. And uh, did you try spitting first to see if that would no. make him want to spit? No, it actually the camel was very the adult camel was very aggressive. If you had any type of drink while you were waiting in line to ride the camel. Um, it would try to take it and drink it. Like it didn't Can't matter what it was. Water, I mean, soda. Good for him. Anything. It Bourbon. Just, it, it had big old lips. Say, right. Alcohol, camel. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. It just he, he earns would, that drink. He would reach over and grab it and drink the whole thing. Whatever. Ew, if you had a cup, a weird. bottle, soda can, it didn't matter. Huh. He'd just drink it all and then throw it to the side. And then spit it on you. Yep. This is crap, Brad. Um, anywho, <laughs> we have a guest today. We you do. You guys may have recognized her voice because Ooh. she's been here before. So we have a two-timer on today. Um, I don't know if you guys remember Brooke Lively from Cathedral Capital, but welcome back. We Yay. remember you, obviously. Thanks, guys. I know. I, love it. I, I have to say, you guys asked me back for a second time and I was super excited because I think you guys are the most fun podcast I've ever done. Oh my God, oh. are you see? We need to quote her on that. Endorsement. Justin, pull that one out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, Brooke, just in case our listeners didn't hear you last time, uh, give us a little bit of uh, information about yourself. Give us some background. What you do, what makes you tick, what keeps you going. Wow. I know. Okay. That's I a lot. So many roads with that. But I'll go down the <laughs> The appropriate one, one. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, the appropriate one. Um, so I own Cathedral Capital. We call it Calf Cap. Um, and we make law firms more profitable by serving as their outsourced CFO. Okay. And I do this because I was running my father's law firm after grad school. I had done some, I had like worked at a hedge fund that I wasn't working at a hedge fund. And <laughs> my father likes to like shed his law partners every seven to 10 years. Mm. And he had shed his law partners because, you know, he lost his firm manager for, that had been with him for like 30 years. And so he's like, can you help me do this? I'm like, sure. So, you know, in less than two years, probably 18 months, we had started, grown, and scaled it to a seven-figure business. Oh, wow. And at one point, I hired a consultant to help with sales and marketing. And his client started coming to me and saying, can you do for us what you do for your family? And that was 
when I really realized that it wasn't just my father and brother that weren't numbers driven. Mm -hmm. It was all attorneys. And (laughs) that's why we're all here. Yes. (laughs) That's why we're here. And that it's so much easier and so much more efficient to make decisions based on data. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because you only make that decision once. And most right? people don't use data, especially in this industry, unfortunately. They don't. And what happens is you make the decision and, you know, you're taking a deposition at four in the afternoon and really what's going through your head is, gosh, was that the right thing to do? And then you go home to dinner and you're having dinner with your family thinking, well, maybe I should have taken option C. And then you wake up at 2 a.m. Wait, 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 maybe option B. Like you keep making the same decision over and over and over again. Right. And that's not productive. Or you make the decision just to get past it. Like, have you ever seen someone do that? They yeah. just, anything. Let's just get it over with, like pick yeah. something and move on. Exactly. Pick something and move on. And that's, when that's I chose my right. co-host. That's how I chose my co-host. Oh, oh I was sick of yeah. the process nice. and I was like, just go with Brad and let's get moving. That, God, she's got it out for you today. I know. I know that that cut one, me right? deep. I love you. <laughs> well, and then the other way that attorneys make decisions is they just don't. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> True. I don't know. Let's think about that. Let's get a little more information. And, and eventually and everybody so- forgets about it and you move on to a different project. Yeah. And then it blows up and you have to make a decision and you just choose anyone to get past. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a horrid circle to be caught in. And if you're using data, you see the decision coming, you can look at your options, just like you do with a case. You can say, okay, what's going on? What are the options? What do I think will have the best outcome? And when I talk about people's law firms, I'm like, doesn't it deserve the same care that you give your clients cases. And then you have the data you can validate. There's no, there's no questioning. You're like, I use this data to make my answer. And I now see that it worked because I have the data. Right. Absolutely. Pretty, it feels good. It Turn feels that good. horrid circle into a great circle. Mm, nice. That, I'm going to wait, write that, that was, down. No, that oh, was not good. I don't have a pen. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. No, don't. And take it a picture and send it to us. I, I'm obviously not marketing. <laughs> oh, no, you're great. You're great, Brad. Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> All right. So you ventured off on your own, and that's how we got to where we are today. Obviously, you're doing awesome because you're getting podcast gigs, right? Oh, I love doing podcasts. It, really, what I love is is helping attorneys. I It just kills me that there are so many attorneys that you know, have no business experience and law school's not preparing them to own a business and they get out of school. They think all they have to do is practice law. And all of a sudden they're either on a partnership track to run a law firm or they go out and they start their own and they're just so ill-equipped and they don't know where to turn. And they go to bar functions and everybody's like beating their chest. (laughs) I've got this awesome firm. Shirts unbuttoned a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And they're not telling the truth. So nobody else feels like they can say, I'm really struggling. Yeah. That's a good point. They end up struggling in isolation. So any way that I can get my message out and really talk to them and say, look, not your fault. You're not alone. I've seen worse because I promise you I have seen worse. (laughs) And, you know, Here's some ways that it can be better. That's, 
I mean, I'm just so passionate about that. Yeah. And you're great at what you do. It's fun. Yeah. So today, that being said, we're going to dig into collection rates, which I think is a really cool thing because uh, it's probably something that everybody could use a little help in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about this a little bit before, too, and it opened my eyes because I'm, I'm fairly new to the legal industry. It's been two years now, but there is literally so much that can be done to improve your collection rates. And there's so much that it's not even hard to do. It's easy, simple things that you can do to improve your collection rates. Um, so let's dig into that a little bit. Let's let's talk through it, Brooke. Um, what are some ideas that you have that you talk to your clients about to improve their collection rates? We should tell um, everybody right. to get some pen and paper out. Oh, yeah, get no. pen and paper. Or, or yeah. like take notes. Yeah. Because this, this is the meat right exactly. here. Exactly. And we, need, is, we have some stats. Yeah, this is it. We have this some stats to start with. This Ooh, is a good stuff. Some data. Yeah, let's start I with I was going to say, yes, hello, data-driven decisions yes, over here. we talked about that. I remember. Okay, Lauren. <laughs> so um, while you're getting your pen, I'll tell you. So Clio does a a kind of state of the legal report every year. Mm-hmm. It's called the Legal Trends Report. And in 2020, they set the average collection rate for a U.S. law firm is 86%. Okay. And for a year, I have been trying to figure out how they got to that number because not my experience. Lower or higher? Oh, <laughs> Ooh, that was. I could tell by the face Ooh, right there. That was quite the face and the noise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. No, and and I really I've talked to other people that are in the industry that do things that are similar to mine. We think the average collection rate is really closer to seventy five percent. Twelve percent. No, yeah. not that low. Yeah, not twelve. Yeah. And, <laughs> The firms we see are collecting 75. If they're collecting 80, they're doing pretty well. Yeah. From our experience. And, but that really frustrates me. That is the equivalent of a car dealership giving every fourth person that walks on the lot a free Free car. car. That would be nice. Don't you want to be but that, that person? Is, Not for um, the dealership. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. But that is really good perspective. That is a, a great yeah. analogy. Well, and here's another one. If you collect 80%, that's like hauling your team in and having them work Monday through Thursday for a reason. Uh-huh. And then like basically hauling them in on Friday for no reason because you're not going to collect the money they bill that day. So wasting everybody's time. So really what we're saying here is we need to stop working Fridays. Is that what you're saying? No. Yeah, I think that's what she said. That's that's what I'm taking from this. I promise you. I promise you your team would rather have a three-day weekend than find out that they're working and you're not bothering to collect it. You don't have the, the things in place to collect. I love it. So what we do with our clients is what we call the five pieces of the AR puzzle. Okay. And when we implement these, the collection rates go from 75% to 92. 92's our bottom level goal. And I was talking to a client about this. I'm like, yeah, you know, 92's our goal. He's like, why are you setting that goal so low? Mm. He's like, we're closer to 98%. Oh, are you, client? He's like, I was like, okay, Sam, yes, you are. <laughs> oh, she's naming names. I know. Google oh, Sam. I name names, baby. Find Sam on her LinkedIn account. Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> we can cut that. Sam, <laughs> I, I think Sam would be perfectly happy if everybody knew who was collecting 98%. Yeah, true. Get him on the He's show, like, too, yeah. 
He's like, why are you setting people's expectations so low? I'm like, well, if I go on a podcast and say our clients all collect at 98% plus, it sounds like, no going to believe me. Yeah. <laughs> but why 92? That's an interesting number. Because we can easily get all of our clients to 92. So we, okay. that's really kind of our bare minimum. Okay. That's once we get it to 92, we quit hammering on it quite so hard. <laughs> Right. Okay. You, you want to know how we get people to 92? Of well, course. yeah. Obviously. Okay. Why do you think you're here today? Well, there you go. Tell me more. So there are five things. The first thing is get an initial retainer. And I see all kinds of people that are like, yeah, I get an initial retainer. I get $500. I was like, uh-huh. and how long is that $500 going to last, Mr. I bill at $350 an hour? Mm, right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so you can do an hour and 15 minutes worth of work. Mm-hmm. Like that's not going to get you anywhere. You need to have three months, the first three months in that retainer yeah. account. And you need to do that before you start working. And people always ask me why three months. Okay. Here's why. Because you get a client on October 1st, you bill all the month of October and you send the bill out on November 1st. I don't care what your bill says. It can say due upon receipt. It can say due in 10 days. Your client thinks they have 30 days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They think they don't have to pay until the end of True. November. Right. Like, it's just the way it, I, we can't change that. We have taught clients this. So you've worked all of October. You work all of November. On December 1st, you send out the second bill. Your client at this point is like sitting up and taking notice. Oh, that first bill's probably due. (laughs) I got another one. Yeah, there's another one. I probably need to pay the last one. So it's now the end of November. It's December 1st. The client thinks, okay, I've gotten the second bill. I need to pay the first one. Or client may be a deadbeat. But December (laughs) 1st is when you really start trying to collect. Uh So you collect all the month of December and by the end of December, you know if you've got a deadbeat client or not. <laughs> and if you have the first three months in, in that retainer, in that initial retainer, then you're golden. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can get out of this case. And, and really, all you'll be out is the time of withdrawing. So that's why I always say three months. So do you ever come across the instance with your clients that – maybe their clients are a little turned off by that that heftier amount up front and in turn take their business elsewhere? Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Because if you have a client who doesn't want to pay you, wouldn't you rather find at the outset than, you know, three, four, five, six months in? This is true. That is a good point. I mean, look, here's what we're doing. Clients are interviewing you to see if you're going to be a good attorney. Let's interview the client and see if they're going to be a good client. And let's get rid of them before they get in your system. Yeah, you don't have to take every client, you know. You really That's don't. Point. If you turn off one in five clients because they don't want to pay your initial retainer, do you know what will happen? What? Tell us. Your collection, your collection rate will go from 80% to 100%. You will make the same exact amount of money you were making before. True. And doing less work. And doing 20% less work. So where's the losing on that? Yeah. And that is only step number one. 
in your that is step AR puzzle. One. I know. I <laughs> like, do we need like, four more? There's I think four we're more. Good, right? I don't even know what's going to happen good. next. I'm already, I'm already collecting at 100% now. Tell me more, now. Brooke, what's next? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the second part is have an evergreen retainer. Okay. And this, if you look at most cases, not all, but most cases are really kind of work heavy in the first few months, especially if it's litigation. You got to answer, you got to do that. Like there's, there's all kinds of stuff. We don't need to go there. Step number two is have an evergreen retainer and your evergreen retainer should be equal to the average three months of billing. And, and people kind of look at me funny when I say this, they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, think about this. Most new cases, there's more work done in the first three months, especially if it's litigation. Right. And then like the workload kind of falls off and evens out a little bit. So let's do, you know, an average three months and we do an evergreen retainer and I get pushback because people are like, um, hello, Brooke. My client has already proved they're going to pay. Right. And I'm like, yes, but a client will quit paying at any time for any reason. And it rarely has anything to do with you. That's true. Like when you have an interview or like your first month in a new job, like you go all out and, you know, put on this big shiny show and then you show your true colors a couple months in. Not me. I no, no, I no. perform perfect all yes, the way through. Yes, but yeah, no, I get it. But, but think about what happens in your clients' lives. They could get divorced. Yeah. Right. That's a good they point. Could, yeah. They could have a child go to college. They could have a yeah. child get married. Those are all cash intensive activities. Yeah. Lose their job due to COVID layoffs. Lose their job yeah. due to COVID. So yes, absolutely. There is the ability. Sense. And it doesn't have anything to do with you. Yeah. Right. So. Um, okay. Here's the next thing. Three. Number three. Number three. Number, Number three. three. Uno yeah. dos tres. Have a stop work policy. Ah, yes. I had a, I had a client that came to me and, and we were working with her and in her fee agreement, it said, if you can't pay me, we will put a lien on your property, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I'm sorry. Did you just tell your clients that they don't have to pay you and that nothing will happen? She's like, oh. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, okay. Like everything we have paid you was worth it for that one piece of it. <laughs> right here. You heard it You're here. You're like, I'm going to go now. We don't even need I'm like, and I'm going to hang out. Exactly. Um, but you want to have a stop work policy. You want your clients to know what it is and you want to enforce it. And this does not have to be something that's difficult. I, one of my favorite ones is an attorney out in the Pacific Northwest. She went to Office Depot for like $2.50. She bought a giant box of big, huge red rubber bands. And when a client quit paying, she put a red rubber band on the file. Oh. And if you went into the file room and the file had a red rubber band, you weren't supposed to touch it. I like that. Yeah. And if someone was walking through the office and there was a file with a red rubber band on somebody's desk, or I mean, really even just the red rubber band, they got called on it. Simple, easy, cheap. And, you know, these days with everybody using all the great software that's out there, 
that's cloud-based, you can lock a file. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. So um, it can be simple. It can be easy. It can be a red rubber band, but be sure you communicate it not only to your staff, but to your clients and then you enforce it. Yeah. And I like that. I like, I'm very much a visual person, you know, like when I have a to-do list, I'll write it down and cross stuff off. And so I'm envisioning that red rubber band around the file folder. And I'm like, yes, yes. I like that. Just don't ever put it up in a ponytail, your hair with the red rubber band. (laughs) Yeah. No more. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we're not going to put a stop You've ruined red rubber bands for me definitely, but you know, no. (laughs) (laughs) I actually don't think I've used a rubber band in a really long time. If I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, With COVID, you just let... Let your hair hang out everywhere. Well, you know, real rub- like rubber rubber bands. Rubber rubber, rubber band. bands, not hair rubber bands. But no, actually, hair is always up because I don't wash it as frequently. So, <laughs> wow, I know. I just the truth. visited. Mine I just today. visited my best friend, and and I swear, like <laughs> multiple times a day, she's like, "It's a pandemic, people." I'm like, "That does not mean." That you shouldn't wash your hair more than once a week. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I feel attacked. Hygiene. Do I smell? Uh, I don't want to tell the listeners. You you look very clean, Lauren. Thank (laughs) you, Brooke, as do you. Wow. Brad on that. Thank you. I bathed this morning. (laughs) Wow. We're getting quite the the updates here. We actually had this conversation. What was it last week? Um, Brad was in the room and there was somebody else who happened to be bald. And we were talking about cleaning the scalp. And I was like, do you use shampoo? Do you use body wash? Of like, course what do you, you use, use shampoo. You, know? you have to. Do you use shampoo? Really? But there's I no do. hair. But it makes you feel good about yourself. <laughs> I don't wow. know. Thought kind of like a bar of soap. No, I use shampoo. See, it was a legitimate question. Yeah, shampoo. You have to use shampoo. I have little hairs. (laughs) If you, I have little hairs. I do. Okay. Well, we need to encourage the little hairs. Do I need to get closer to the camera? Can you see that? Yeah, Brooke. Can you (laughs) see the hair? We'll send you a picture. I I, yes. We'll send you a close up of Brad's scalp later, so you can see. Awesome. (laughs) It's very soft. You and guys, on to number four. <laughs> number four. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> number four. So this one's a big one. And I alluded to it earlier where, you know, the client thinks they have 30 days to, to pay their mm-hmm. bill. You need to control the timing of the payment. Do not let clients do that. So I was at my best friend's house who does, by the way, wash her hair more than once a week. But, okay. You know, okay. Good. Thank you for clarifying. I need to clarify. So I was at her house and, and she lives in, in Pennsylvania and I was up there visiting and we walked in the house on a Sunday night. She opened a drawer and she took out like this big stack of mail. Like she could hardly get the drawer open. <laughs> oh my goodness. And so we're chatting and, and she's opening mail and most of it's going in the trash. Finally, I'm like, Martha, what is that? And she said, it's my mail. I'm like, how much mail is that? She's like, oh, I don't know, probably six weeks worth. And oh I'm my like, God. <laughs> right? I'm like, what about your bills? She said, all of our regular bills are on auto pay. She said, so, you know, every now and then I go through this and I find the one-off bills. So sure enough, when I decided I was going to go to bed, she was down to a small stack of <laughs> one-off bills. And she said, okay, I'm going to bed too. I'm like, whoa, bills. Are we going to pay these bills? No. As she's putting them back in the drawer, she's like, no, I've done enough work on this tonight. Hmm. Attorneys, this is what is happening to your bills. You are one-off <laughs> bills. 
They are sitting in that kitchen drawer for six weeks. And before you go and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm a, I have business clients. Mm -hmm. It's not that much better for you. Yeah, true. Because I don't care. Like I said, what your bill says, they think they have till the end of the month to pay it. And most businesses write checks twice a month. Yeah. So that first check run comes through and hey, bill's not due. Yeah, exactly. Wait till the next. And then the second check run, they're going to add up all the, all the bills that they have and see how much cash they have. And you may or may not get paid yeah. because yeah. history has taught them that most attorneys do not have a stop work policy. So nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And honestly, if they're another two weeks late, it's not the end of the world. It's fine. You know, nothing's going to, yeah, no big deal. So you need to take payment timing out of the client's hands and you do this by accepting credit cards. Mm, yes. And by having every client sign an authorization form that says, I will get the bill. I will have 10 days to dispute it. If I do not dispute it, you are authorized to charge my card. I like it. Yep. And then you're in control. Right. I mean, for heaven's sakes, you know that if you send bills out on the first, that on the 11th, you get to charge and you're going to collect almost everything. Yeah. And that's honestly pretty common. Like you're not asking something that isn't okay no. or doesn't happen in other areas, you know? Yeah. Like you and go to a hotel, you need it. a credit card on file. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Utilities. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Same. And, and clients love it, frankly, uh, for two reasons. One, they're getting more points, more yeah. miles, more whatever. They do. And the second reason is... It's one less bill I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I literally despise paying bills. Like I have the majority of my my reoccurring ones on auto pay, but not all of them. And like there's one I have to log in every month and they have the worst website. Like every month I have to type in my account number. They The, the way the fields are built, they don't auto populate. So like it doesn't remember anything. It doesn't read like if I start typing in Lauren, it doesn't finish it for me. And I'm like every oh have to put in my routing number every time. And you know, yes. It's on, yeah. It's on me because I haven't set up auto pay, but I'm like, I literally despise doing it. So I will honestly put it off. I'm like, it's not due today. I'm going to wait and pay it later because I'm too lazy to do it. And how do you feel about that vendor? Are they your favorite vendor? No, it pisses me off. I'm like, Whoa. get with the 20th, 21st century. I was like, get with the 20th century. God, guys, get it together. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing. You don't want to jeopardize your relationship with your client over something as annoying as them paying your bill. Yeah. And so really, I'm going to go into the fifth part. And the fifth is how we get all of this done. And we do it through a fee agreement. The state wants you to have a fee agreement. You might as well have one that benefits you. And it's in the conversation where they're signing the fee agreement that you set expectations. The expectation is I am going to be paid every month on time. And this is how we're going to do it. And these are the consequences if we don't. So draft a fee agreement that works for you. Yeah, that's true. It it needs to work for you. Don't just draft something because this is how it should be done. This is a norm. There's, there's options. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, fee agreement is number five. Yeah. That's right. The five pieces they come together. You should get like, do you ever do promo items for your company? You should get like an actual puzzle 
and that could be like the five pieces items. and yeah. it comes together and it yeah. forms a big dollar sign yes, for a collection. Yes, I like it. Oh, that's nice. Yes. I'll tell you what I do have. Yeah. Which I'm happy to give all your listeners. I love. Ooh, ooh, uh, well, what is I, it? Not, never mind. They love free a new stuff. Car? I love free stuff too. But <laughs> yeah. No, I am not giving you the fourth, that fourth car, car. Oh, okay. on the, okay. on the yeah. lot. Dang it. Um, it's a pinto. But I do have a whole thing on the five pieces of the AR puzzle that includes ooh, some language ooh, for, like your, for your uh, fee agreement and all kinds of stuff. Would Do you think your, oh, your yeah. listeners would like uh, that? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. All right, so why don't we do that? Um, I will say that's the the one place on our website on on our end that gets the most traction is our knowledge base. Like people just love reading and tips and education. So that would be awesome. So I'll tell you what, if everybody goes or if anyone who wants goes to CAFCAP, everybody, CAFCAP.com forward slash Lex Factor AR, then... They can uh, get all that information. That that's sounds awesome. great. And that's live now? That is live now. Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to check it out after the show. So very generous. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So it's only live in like a day. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what? You no, lied to us. I know. Okay. So here's what I love about the five pieces of the AR puzzle. When you get that in place, all of a sudden you're now in control of when and how you get money, which makes forecasting your cash flow so easy. That like makes I said, sense. You send the bill out on the first, you get paid on the 10th. And I think, you know, we all know that cash is important. Cash is king. Cash is like oxygen to your business. Right. And we talk all the time about having a cash flow forecast and knowing when your cash is going to come in is awesome, but it never, ever, ever matches up when your cash goes out. (laughs) Very true. I mean, think about it. Even in this firm that we're building where you get all your cash in on the 11th, well, by the time it's deposited from the credit cards, it's probably the 13th, but You've got the first week of the month, which is payroll and rent, which is probably your most expensive week of the month, backed up really quickly by week three. So you've got to make sure that you've got the cash you need. And we do this through having a cash flow forecast. Okay. And we look six to eight weeks ahead. Oh, wow. Why six to eight weeks? Well, you want to know how much you're going to have at the end of every week reasons we just discussed and you want it far enough ahead that you can that you can make a decision that you can take action so we had a client named dan and he's out in the pacific northwest and i sat down with him one of his regular cfo calls i'm like okay dan um there's red on your cash flow forecast and there was a little bit of so you know (laughs) calm down only you could see your face I know. See, I've got a really expressive face. You do. (laughs) So we looked at it and said, okay, let's problem solve this. It's seven weeks out. What are we going to do? So we looked to see, you know, can we move rent? His landlord's pretty understanding if it went out a week, you know. Mm -hmm. No, that wasn't going to do it. We couldn't move bills. We had to do something big. And um, 
So we kind of brainstormed some ideas and then we came back together a week later and I look at his cash flow forecast and there's no red. Damn, what happened? He said, ah, you know that blue binder project we've been talking about? (laughs) By the way, it was named the blue binder project because it literally was being housed in a blue binder. Uh, (laughs) Very creative. Yeah, really creative name. So he, um, he said, we built that out and started selling it. So oh, in a week, in a week, because it had kind of been out there. Yeah, yeah. He's a DUI attorney. And this was a program that he was developing in conjunction with a therapist. And what it does is it puts people who get a DUI through this program and they take their certificate of completion to their sentencing. And it is literally changing the way people are being sentenced in oh, Oregon. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Like, isn't that an awesome thing? Yeah. yeah. But he and wouldn't have been able to do that if he wasn't looking ahead, like you said, at the cash flow right. reports. Oh, I stole your thunder. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Can, Here, wait, wait. She can but how was her. he able to do that and get it in place so far ahead? <laughs> he was looking at his cash flow. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> hey. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you're looking at it. And you're looking ahead and you have time to deal with it. Right. Yeah. Now, this was something that was already sort of in process. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, he didn't sell everything he needed to sell in one week. But he knew how many he could sell and put that into his cash flow forecast and got rid of the red. Yeah. Right? And it's just so hard. Because he knew he could sell a couple a week. Yeah, definitely. Stop that knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. And we all, we get so used to just looking at where we are. You know, you get so busy, you have your head down, you don't get a chance to look ahead. But obviously there's some major problems that can happen if you don't do so. There, There are. And, you know, if you're not looking ahead, you find out that you're having a cash crunch, you know, maybe seven days, probably closer to seven hours. And then you're reactive. Before you hit it. And there is no option. Mm-hmm. There is no bank that is going to loan, that's going to start and fund a line of credit in seven hours. Nope. You're reactive. You're desperate. You don't think through your decisions. You don't use that data that we talked about to make the right decision. Right. You're like, crap, what can I do real right. quick? You know? Yeah. So I just want to go over really quickly what's in a cash flow forecast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is not your PL. This is not a big, huge 42, 52-line, 400-line spreadsheet. It has just a few lines. That's, that's promising. Yeah. Right? First Make one, it easy. Cash in. Okay. When are we getting cash? We do actually put this on a couple of lines sometimes because we'll have the cash that comes in from your trust account. We'll have the cash that comes in when we charge clients' credit cards. And then most firms do have a little bit of AR. So we leave a line for AR, you know, if someone gets behind Mm -hmm. or, you know, their credit card gets stolen, like mine does, I swear. Once a year. Every other month. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was going to go with once a year, but I'm sorry. Once every other month is terrible. (laughs) I think there's something wrong here. If you can. (laughs) I have quit memorizing my credit card numbers. (laughs) All right. So, so that's the first one. Then we go into cash that goes out, right? You've got a line for recurring bills. You know what bills are going to hit when. 
You just key them into the appropriate week. And then we all have extraordinary expenses, things that we don't expect. Mary needs a new computer. I have an opportunity to be on a podcast and they're going to charge me $50,000. Oh, I didn't know that we charged her for this. Yes, we put it in agreement. Oh, good And to with know. a red rubber band around it because we have not <laughs> actually received the payment. No, just a well, my credit you card. You should have gotten a retainer up front, Brad. <laughs> oh, that's right. Boom. <laughs> so then there are a couple of other things. As the owner of the firm, you should take a draw. You should get paid for the mm-hmm. time, effort, and risk you're putting into this firm. So put that on a line. If you have any debt and you've got to make debt payments, put that on a line. And then if you want to move money into savings, that's another line. And you just add it up. And the amount of money you have at the end of one week becomes the beginning balance of for the next week. It's that easy. But it lets you see, it lets you look forward, and it just gives you a lot more confidence in what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah, I like it. I like that you make everything so easy, too. You know, there's not 40 steps that you have to take, and it's nothing hard. It's nothing that lawyers don't know how to do. You know, you're not asking them to get too much out of their comfort zone. And so that's why I appreciate having you on. Everything Everything is is so insightful that you do, but you make it simple, you know? Simply insightful. Simply insightful with Brooke Lively. With Brooke Lively. We need a new new trademark there. That's what we do. Um, Yeah, I I want it to be easy. I want to use the language that attorneys use. I'm not here to make things difficult. I'm here to make things easier. So if I can break it down. So that client, Dan, out in the Pacific Northwest was so funny. He's like, Brooke, can you make everything a binary decision? I'm like, yes, it is A or it is B. Yeah. If you choose B, the next question, is it B or is it C? Like we're just going to go through because none of this is rocket science. It's just stuff that people, that attorneys aren't used to seeing. Mm -hmm. Right. Or they don't have time to look ahead and consider it all. Yeah. So let's break it down into small chunks and make it easy to consume. I love it. I like it. If only everything could be that way, right? We're gonna Brad? make it that easy. Yeah. Shampoo, if only. no shampoo. Like, imagine if Cheesecake Factory did that to their menu. Ooh! Instead of having forty-two pages, pages. of menu items, that is the most overwhelming menu. <laughs> it is. It really is. I haven't been I mean, there in the ages. I just but eat yeah. appetizers, so I don't exactly. have to eat any further. Have you ever? They had those. Uh, I haven't been there in forever. I don't know if they still have them, but they're like fried avocado bites on the appetizer menu. They're I, so good. I have not had oh, because they that like the avocado just like melts in your mouth. I I was so overwhelmed good. and decided to just put the decision off and just eat the bread. And you left. <laughs> no. I ate the bread and drank the water. <laughs> Brooke would yell at you about I know. that. I know. You can't put the decision off, Brad. No, do not stick your head in the sand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, Brooke, as usual, we loved having you on today. Today's episode was extra fun, I would say. We missed you. Absolutely. Am I allowed to invite someone back a third time? A regular. That's when they become (gasps) a regular. A regular. The Lex Factor with Simply Insightful Brooke Lively. That's right. There we go. And then after our, like, you know, 7,000th episode, yeah. then she'll be like, you know, coming in on our reunion tours. 
and I everything. I love it's, it. We it's can do be, yeah. like a, a North America tour. We could. Yeah. We could. We could even do like uh, weekly minutes with Brooke. We could do like, <gasps> yeah. Ooh, <laughs> I like, okay, I don't like Brooke. That was, that was, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that? I was trying to make Brooke. it. Brooke. <laughs> Brooke. Interesting beatboxing yes, there. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what that was. Was yeah. It was her theme music for her minutes. <laughs> he was drooling a little bit when he I did it. I was not drooling. <laughs> don't listen to her on this podcast. That's the worst thing you could say. Please don't listen to my host. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, just cut out everything Lauren says. Everything. Just everything. make it the co host show. Oh, God. Okay. Anyway, on that note, Brooke, thank you again. It was a pleasure. Loved yes. having you. Loved having you. My pleasure. Love hanging out with you guys. Y'all are so much fun. So thank fun. Thank you. I agree. We we, we feel the same. Um, and again, remind our listeners real quick, too, before we close out today's episode, what is the website they can go to for the five tips? So, calfcap.com, C A T H C A P.com forward slash. Lex Factor AR. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Lex Factor. Make sure you like our episode, subscribe, download. Um, it's on multiple platforms, as you know, wherever you prefer to listen, you can find us there. So it really does help. It does. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Lex Factor. Lexicon takes care of business so you can take care of law. Learn how to build a better practice at lexiconservices.com.